Hey, today on Jesus, Sex, and Politics, we've got two very special guests in the studio who are going to talk to us about classical Christian education. There's an assault on the minds of our next generation in this country like never before seen, and we have two guests that are fighting the good fight to make sure that we as parents are equipped to train up our child in the way that they should go so when they are old, they will not depart from it. So if you are a parent and you're trying to fight the sexualization of our kids in your school, or if you see the Marxism and the indoctrination that's trying to get a foothold, you will not want to miss this podcast. Hang on, we're diving in. Let's go. Hey, welcome to the Jesus Sex and Politics podcast. I'm Micah. Nathan's not here today, but we're going to talk about all those things culture doesn't want to talk about that will scare you. All right, so in the studio, I've got two really good friends of mine. I got a friend that goes way back, and we did things probably people don't want to hear about and that are probably relatively inappropriate. Marcus Mangus, uh, my good friend from a church years ago, and then uh, uh, my my good friend uh, Dave Seibel, who is the headmaster at Coram Deo Classical Christian School. I mean, it's growing. The, the school's doing incredible things, but Marcus, you sit on the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dave, you're involved in this push for classical Christian education in America. You speak around the country. I wanted to bring you guys in to just talk about what classical Christian education is so parents listening can get an idea of like, okay, how is this different from just normal public education? And then why you guys and and what, you know, and I love it too, but why you guys particularly are so fond of it and the proof is in the pudding. What have you guys seen that's been so powerful when it comes to Christian education? education. So, um, so Dave, why don't we start with you? Tell us about your, your backstory and then, uh, and then, yeah, give us an overview of what Christian classical education is. Okay. After I graduated from Wabash college, which is an all male liberal arts college in Crawfordsville, Indiana. So you asked me what classical is. I think the easiest way to describe what classical Christian education is, is it's like Wabash college. If you added girls and added Jesus. <laughs> and so Marcus and I both went to That's Wal- right. Yeah, Marcus, we you did. were at Walvesh. Yep. Did you guys know each other? We did. Did you really? Don't wow. say it. Okay. Don't. I'm thinking about it. <laughs> no, don't say no, it. No, say it. Say whatever. Gonna- <laughs> this is Jesus, sex, and politics, no, okay? there's he's like gonna, What he's going to say is, he's going to say that we were male cheerleaders together, but that is not an accurate <laughs> description of what we were. What were we then? Huh? What were we then? We were cheer leaders but we weren't cheerleaders mm. is that fair but wabash is okay so it's all it's all dudes if yeah. you're male cheerleaders are you throwing host are you uh, hoisting up other dudes no that's 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 the point there's no gymnastics there's no flipping it's literally just like you're yelling you with your hand in some megaphone. dude's butt it's like it's a megaphone <laughs> I, I would have gladly lifted Marcus up. I just, I'm just you raise me up. I was lighter then. I was lighter then. <laughs> well, I mean, that that's maybe a good kind of uh, gateway understanding. What is classical? So it's a liberal arts education. What does that mean? It means you're a generalist first and a specialist second. And so you, you hear stories about how people change their majors a number of times and, oh, they studied this in college, but it doesn't apply. But C.S. Lewis says that when education becomes training, civilization dies. So this is always Mm. the quote I like to use. And what is classical? Why is it important? What impact does it have? 
Well, why, why would a civilization die if education or schooling turned into mere vocational training? Well, first, if you, if you take education, make it vocational training, you're, use, you're viewing individual human beings that bear the image of God as economic entities. So that's called Marxism. When you view someone as an exclusively uh, a pair of hands for the assembly line, C.S. Lewis is basically getting at this, and I've talked about this on our, our website blog before, that the purpose of education is to, f- to form reasonable and responsible human beings. So generalist first, specialist second. So my background is going through Teach for America, which prepares you to work in a high-needs area and to bring um, high-quality education, effective teaching to that area. And so I got to work throughout the city in public schools. And basically after five years, I realized, oh, I got, I'm, I'm someone who's like an effective manager, but not someone who's cultivating the minds of young people. And so I really wanted to be involved in an environment where we're pursuing meaningful ideas like what I did at Wabash. And so I feel like for the first uh, seven years of my career, I was just trying to get back to my alma mater and I found it in K through 12. And so I get to be the head of school at Quorum Deo Academy. That's cool. PK through 12. PK through 12. This is true. That's right. Yeah. No, it's cool. I so, so I love that quote by CS Lewis. And so with Christian or classical Christian education, would you say you take them through the philosophy of life first? Is that kind of like your teach, like the Aristotle approach to just understanding life? And then that's kind of the core that you build off of then to, you know, to any other, you don't, you don't just teach them how to be a, you know, pull a lever on a machine. And cause I feel like that's kind of where public education has gotten to It's created good manufacturing type mindsets. You know, when you have this, uh, you have this labor market where, you know, back in the fifties, forties and fifties, we had, um, you know, the assembly line kind of concept where it's like, we just need good obedient workers to work the assembly line. So train them to that, to do that. We didn't really train them how to think we trained them sort of just the basics of what to think. Would you say that's kind of like a good, maybe like classical Christian education kind of teaches people, teaches students how to think about the world first? Yeah. I mean, you could just think of it as three stages. Stage one is we want to focus on the what. So maybe let's say grades PK through four, call that the grammar stage. We're laying a strong foundation. We're going to teach you phonics. Like the old, you remember hooked on phonics? Yeah. Like we're just hooked on phonics. <laughs> <laughs> and so we he think failed. that, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And so we think that introducing them to the what they want to do recitations. They want to memorize like your, our kids are similar ages. They have fun doing that. They want to, my daughter at dinner wants to tell me this chant that she's learning in kindergarten and my son in first grade, similar things. Fifth graders don't want to do that though. So fifth, sixth, seventh graders, they start to want to ask why. So I, you transition to the logic stage. So we teach them formal and informal logic after we've gone really through slow and we've we're forming their moral imaginations we're not reading the books with lots of different gendered characters or confusing those things we're trying to be focused on what's main and plain and not nuanced things that god has made really clear and we want to do it joyfully not in a fussy fashion and then we start to get into the why and do logic uh in the seventh and eighth grade and then in high school we call that the rhetoric stage and so it, education should be like paint it, it's not meant to just stay in the can like it should end in application. And so we lay this castle foundation and then we slowly erect the structure and we purpose it. And so in grades nine through 12, you really see the flower begin to bud in the rhetoric stage. So 
Um, Love it. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. So Marcus, kind of what, what kind of led you to this type of education for your kids and why have you loved it so much? Well, similar, I'd say similar to Dave, I already firmly believed in this liberal arts concept. So just because of um, my experience in college, I, I was a rhetoric major and now I spend time with, you know, business owners all day long and kind of very entrepreneurial spirit. Uh, I've seen religion majors do the same. I've seen Spanish majors do the same. Or we had an art, I have an art, I had an art major fraternity brother who's now a dentist, you know? Okay. And, um, <laughs> and so I just see the power of that liberal arts education and really being able to speak to um, anything across culture and to be invited into this great conversation that we've been having, the Aristotle, Socrates, C.S. Lewis, any philosopher that you can think of, we've, they've all been adding to humanity and this great conversation that we have. And it's our job as parents, in conjunction with the educators, to invite our students, our kids, into that great conversation to have them learn from the people of the past so that they can now go out and produce um, and they can be great citizens. They can, um, you know, we're at a classical Christian school, right? So not only are they going to be great citizens, but we want them to be contagious Christians. We want them to own their faith. And so I think for me, when I've always been skeptical, not just of, uh, not, not just a public education, but of just Christian education, because I think in both cases, often they're teaching you what to think and not how to think. They're not inviting you into that conversation. It's all, it's all part of that turnstile. I just didn't even realize that classical Christian education existed until I reconnected with Dave in 2019, and then the pandemic happened. Uh, our kids came home, and I was like, wow, you are way further behind than I ever could have imagined and um, we brought them in. We have had them evaluated, and um, we ended up holding them back because the kids at this school were just so far ahead. So we ended up holding the kids back, even though they were doing fine in public schools. They would have kept moving forward. Um, we held them back, and quite frankly, it's been transformational for them. It's been transformational for our family. Um, and one thing we say at Coram Deo, now that I'm on the board, one thing we talk about is you know, we, we believe that um, <clears throat> there's really three different, um, three different governments that are set up, right? Um, you've got Dave. Can you? Um, you're going to say it better than me. Yeah, three governments: family, church, state. Yep. And education. Pa and parents, the the kids don't belong to the state. Yep. And so this shouldn't be, <laughs> this shouldn't be shocking. Uh, <laughs> like you don't call the mayor or the governor to name the baby at the hospital. <laughs> yeah. This. It's in our DNA to get on the bus and uh, go to the game on Friday night. And mm -hmm. um, like, that's what I did. That's, I think we all did that. And right? that's what I started We're my kids off doing. Like yeah. I just didn't, I didn't think there was anything else that was, that was better. Yeah. There was a better option. And I, there I'm just from, really is. I'm from Greenfield. Like I'm a marauder. I went to Mount Vernon high school. To, so to think that, you know, if you lived in Carmel, like you were a sellout. And, uh, <laughs> and to, if you told me in a high school that I'd, be an administrator at a school in Carmel, I'd be like, no way. Um, <laughs> a Christian school. <laughs> you a Christian school. I, got, I became a, a Christian in college by, by God's grace. But yeah, God, God has ordained different jurisdictions, different governments, the family, the church, and the state. And so we're, 
we're totally confused on all those things. Yeah. Like, I just see Biden's bill about forgiving everybody. The student loan. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. And so it's, uh, am, am I upset about that because I had to do one thing and the next generation doesn't? No, I actually rejoice when there's meaningful progress of, you know, my, uh, you know, the, my successors benefiting from something that I didn't, but what, what he's failing to realize is that education's a privilege, not a right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is, it is something you have to work for. So I was on LinkedIn talking to someone and they, they were, you know, we should, we should rejoice. This is progress. And it's like, no, this is that I should rejoice when someone succeeds and wins this is not someone succeeding or winning. This is someone benefiting from the success or win of someone else yeah, through that's right. using their resources. So in like manner, it's just an education. We honor the education belongs to parents. Mm-hmm. And so they partner with entities that, that they trust. So like Quorum Deo, for example, people sin at Quorum Deo. I mean, I'm the head of school. I'm a sinner. <laughs> I need the grace of Jesus Christ. But one thing that people get from Quorum Deo is they know where we stand and we're going to be truthful about what we're doing with their kids. But if you go down the street, you know, they might give your kid a survey and ask what their preferred pronoun is and ask for their personal email and not tell you. And that's in Carmel. If you go to HSE, they might have a a transitioning care program where someone who wants to change genders, which supposedly you can do that now. (laughs) And this is the thing that Christians should raise a, a joyful question about like, Hey, who do the children belong to? Yeah, and, and that shouldn't be controversial in Hamilton County, uh, even if someone's not a believer. Just to say, hey, whose whose ultimate responsibility is the behavior of the child? It belongs to mom and dad. Well, what if mom and dad aren't in the picture? Those are good questions to ask. But I think there's a a posture that's been taken in compulsory education that we ought to be a little bit suspicious of. So I'm not saying Quorum Deo's like the answer. The church is the answer. You know, mm-hmm. we want to help parents, but I, I want parents to go to a school that they can trust. And I want people who choose public school to challenge the leaders to say, Hey, that kid is mine. I want to know what's happening there. Yeah, that's good. I love the three institutions. Uh, I mean, the, the family, the church and the state, and actually the way the Lord set them up. If you go back in the old Testament and you look, it's, he set up the family first, the government second, and then the church third, um, through, you know, what, uh, just the, the, how he laid it out in the timeline. And I, and I've always thought of, you know, that every problem that exists in society or every thing that we've got to deal with in society rests on the responsibility of one of those institutions. And then it's the, it's the, then you have to figure out what's the secondary in institution that supports the primary institution. And then the third institution is a safety net institution. So, you know, you look at, you look at in the case of training up kids, it's the family first, the mm-hmm. church is the supporting institution, the state the government is this is the safety net. That's the catch-all. Right. When well, and I think yeah. that sometimes as folks that are conservative or traditional or moral, it might be our first fleshly reaction, be like, "Well, get out of our business." Kind of the libertarian who just yeah, wants sure. to keep their lawn nice and have barbecues in the evening. But it's like we ought to. I think the truly conservative vision is to care about your neighbor and your community. Yeah, that's right. And so. In some ways, I think in American history, the government has gotten involved when other institutions have not stepped up. That's right. Certainly, yeah. certainly there's examples of overreach we could point to, but academies, hospitals, yeah. different sorts of social institutions 
generally we're the overflow of faithful Christians Amen. in the local church. Have you ever stopped and thought about you know, when it comes to healthcare? You brought you brought up hospitals. Do you ever realize that you know why are the successful healthcare networks the ones typically that have a religious name in them? The Lutheran Hospital, Saint Methodist, or the Methodist Hospital, Saint Jude's. Um, you've got all these Saint Vincent. Saint Vincent. You've got all of these faith based, or they birthed out of it. I mean, mm-hmm. I think maybe you could argue they're not so faith-based anymore, but they birthed out of the church, which is why they're successful. You ever stopped and realized and thought to yourself, well, I wonder why the VA isn't a very successful hospital uh, it, because it birthed out of the state. It came out of government. No wonder it's not successful. God never intended the government to take care of the sick, the needy, the poor, the orphan, the widow. It's always supposed to be the church and the families. So that's, you know, church. And for, yeah. And a, a healthy academy and, and, whether you're classical Christian or just a college prep school, well, especially if you're a Christ-centered academy, your job is to support the home and the church. So we call it the three-legged stool. So you get the home, the church, the academy. And so if we're supercharging those things, then we're being effective in the community. So as you think about the broader gospel ecosystem, if we try to get, you know, I call it naming someone else's baby. It's there's certain things that aren't our call. And yeah. so if we stay in our lane, we're actually more effective and can be a bigger blessing to family. I did hear you texted Marcus and said, Hey Marcus, name your first child Dave. But that was <laughs> that was there's uh, you know, none of us are perfect. <laughs> you are a sinner too. So no, that's great. Okay, so um and to your point, you kind of said this, you made it you made a point about being effective in the community. You have grown a lot. You're starting to really be a, I mean, from where you've come the last couple of years, I think probably COVID helped with that because to your point, Marcus, a lot of parents. It's a wake up call. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Parents all over the nation were like, what is going on with my kid's school? Like, I didn't realize they were teaching them this, or I didn't realize they weren't teaching them. I didn't realize they were so far behind to your point. And, yeah. and so parents are looking for alternatives now. They're either saying we've got to revol- we got to reform uh, the the public school, the government schools, and I call them government schools because they're not really public. They're, they're government-owned schools because mm-hmm. public implies that anybody in the public can go and do it. You can't even send your kid you know, to a school if it's not you're not in the right district, right? So it's not, they're government schools, but- Elected officials. Uh, yeah, board, yeah, right, right. So, so then, um, so now parents are looking for alternatives and they're saying, okay, well, reform the government schools or send them to private Christian schools, maybe not Christian, just private schools, but boy, I can't afford that. Tell us like from your both, both perspectives, maybe we'll start with you, Marcus, since you're a parent yeah. um, and, and on the board here, like, is it, how do you do this? Cause there's no bus system. Yep. to quorum so you know some parents are like oh my gosh like marcus I, marcus has a bus well i know you you've got a <laughs> so you're re- you're reformed assault vehicle. you're basically amish so you got fourteen thousand <laughs> yeah, kids yeah, so i mean <laughs> i grew up in amish territory it's just in my blood i guess you shaved your long beard that's right yeah so you've got a bus that holds like uh, yeah 100 kids but get 10 kids in there. 10 kids yeah so uh so yeah how do you how do you make it work like was it is it been hard for you as a family has it been easier than you thought what do you think going into it you're like oh man we're pulling our kids out of government schools like yeah i mean we didn't know we, we didn't know what to expect and, and quite frankly coming out of the pandemic i had to take a um a pretty big pay cut that that spring you know just because we didn't know if we were going to have people paying us or whatever and we wanted to make sure that the the company survived so i had taken this big pay cut while we're talking about going and spending all this money on christian education and we've never even paid for childcare because jessica stayed home and so it was it was a a big move for us financially it just 
it honestly came down to obedience. If you start to do the research and you start to read, and I'm sure Dave can give us some um, great books to on these topics, but if you start to really look, it'd be, yeah, it's great. You want to reform the public school system? Fine. I think that that's a worthy cause and, um, I, and one I can get behind because at some level it's going to educate most of our citizens, mm-hmm. right? Um, however, uh, the progressives literally have a century head start. Mm-hmm. Yep. A century. And so... FDR um, and Woodrow Wilson. It's and, not going to work for me yeah. to be reforming my kid's school while they're there. Um, ultimately, I want my kids to know and love Jesus, be great citizens, have an impact on their community, be able to think for themselves and critically think, be involved in their church. And um, statistics will show you, there's this Good Soils report that came out of Notre Dame. Statistics will show you that kids that grow up in classical Christian schools, um, they far surpass on every single one of those metrics any other type of education. Um, and it's because I, I've really come to believe this is how education should be, how it was meant to be, how it was before the progressives began to take over um, public education. And so, um, you know, for me, that was a big move. It really became, became about obedience as a Christian and my job as their parent, you know, as their parent. What do I want? What am I supposed to do? And biblically training those kids and making sure that they're going to be um, great citizens. And that's my job, right? And that's not going to happen or it could happen in a public school. Like, you know, there's plenty of success stories, um, but increasingly your odds just continue to go down. And I think that we're called as Christians to, to really come into be countercultural. And that's exactly what this movement is um, in terms of logistics. Um, We've just made it work. I mean, I live in Fishers. We drive to Carmel every day. Uh, you know, inflation's wonderful. The gas prices going up are <laughs> glorious. Thanks, um, Obama. Oh, wait, wait. That was 2008. Sorry, 2009. That was uh, the other time. That was the other time. Was yeah. in office. <laughs> no, but so, okay, well, that that's, um, I, I love that. You just made it work. You, you felt like, okay, we got to be obedient. You made a point about uh, the, Chris, the Good Soils Report in Christian education, Christian classical education, mm-hmm. students are a lot like more likely to come out successful. And it made me think it's not that it's not that in public education you can't come out successful, but it, it, the the question will be who are your teachers? I think yep. in public education it's do you get good teachers who know what's right, who have a solid foundation and instill that within the student. And if you're lucky, and, and it's it's rare now to have from grade to grade to grade that you continue to have good teachers, you might get lucky, you might see that happen. But the thing with classical Christian education, the system is actually what's going to propel success. And I think in classical Christian, you're, it, it's flipped. The system's going to work better. You might be unlucky and get a Correct. bad teacher <laughs> occasionally but what do you want to what do you or, want or the, you know yeah. i mean none of us can uh, we, we can't control we, we cannot control how our kids are going to end up yeah. we can give them we can give them the best chance right we can do our best ultimately we're sinners ultimately that's a god thing i say that god god's the perfect <laughs> father and how many of his kids walk yeah, away from that's him? that's a you that's know? a that's a god yeah. thing and so um we're, we're just giving them we're just we're just doing what we see as our job here's the thing that, that I've come to the realization, you know, we, we all know that we become like the people that we hang out with. Yeah. We, 
am I really going to send my kids to this school to hang out with um, students who disagree ideologically, um, to agree, to hang out with teachers who are going to be influencing them that may or may not disagree ideologically, but even if they're Christians, even if they are, they can't talk about truth in hmm. public, public schools. schools. There's no such thing as yeah. truth. Yeah. It's all this, um, what is it, student-centered, is that right, Dave? Yeah. This student-centered education where we've taken truth out, we've taken God out, we've taken any objective truth out of the public school system, and then what does it get replaced with? Well, your truth is truth. <laughs> and so now we can't discipline kids. Now if kids want to have phones in there, they can have phones in there. Now if they want to change their gender, they have to change their gender because whatever is their truth is their truth. And I, I just don't think it's, it's, it's not a coincidence that we're seeing worse mental health problems and everything else. Whereas, you know, I can, I can send my kid home because of our family interview process and the way that we interview the teachers and things like I can send my kid home with basically any family at Coram Deo and I'm going to know what their values are. And and you can't do that at a public school. That's good. And I think you're talking about teachers, Micah. Mm -hmm. I have an Abe Lincoln quote for you. Okay. Any Abe Lincoln quote, there's like a 25% chance he actually said it. So, you know, it's, <laughs> that's it's, right. It's a, hey, how you doing? Abe Lincoln. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but it's the, what is it? The philosophy of the schoolroom is the philosophy of the government. The philosophy in the, of the schoolroom in one generation yeah, is the philosophy, the philosophy yeah. of the government in the next. And so uh, the, the example. It's in a Carmen song <laughs> way back in the day. <laughs> is it really? Oh, yeah. The standard? Yeah, he's got a the Love it. God in America. Again. Yeah, that's the standard. He, he, quote, he makes that quote. No way. <laughs> I didn't realize that. I literally, so you're speaking here at the Hoosier Leadership Series today. That's why you're in, that's why you both are here. But I said that this morning to preface the education day. I quoted that oh, nice. Abe Lincoln quote. Well, yeah. and the example always is prohibition. And so they mm-hmm. wanted prohibition to be passed yep. for a while. And the way that they got it passed was through introducing a third grade curriculum. And then mm-hmm. by the time those kids graduate, start having families families i mean super easy to to get alcohol out yeah. of, to make it illegal and um you're talking about teachers most teachers the way so it's interesting to talk about the difference between christian education and classical christian education i don't i don't mean to say that all difference is damaging or one's better or worse than the other but it's just like as parents are thinking about what they want for their kids wherever you live in the country it's, it's important to know the difference the people, the philosophy of the teacher's college is, in one generation, is the philosophy of the schoolroom in, in the yeah, past. And so right. most Christian schools, at least in Indiana, they still use state accreditation, mm-hmm. which requires you to do, one, state testing, and two, state teacher certification. There might be exceptions to that, but that's broadly true. Uh, and also they do vouchers. So with the shackles come the shackles. We think putting yourself under their their tutelage, um, whoever pays the piper picks the tune. So if we say we're under the lordship of Christ and we believe that the, the kids belong to the family, not the state, but the state's financing our private school operation. There's just it just makes me nervous even describing it. <laughs> so when you get teachers and you say, "Well, did you go to Butler? Did you go to IUPUI? Did you go?" Or I guess I, I don't know. I heard IUPUI is not a thing anymore. Um, did you? Did really? you? Yeah, it's yeah, it's going to be IU Indianapolis. I think what? Yeah, they're yeah. splitting. Oh know. wow. So Butler or Ball State or wherever IU Taylor the, these different colleges they're 
trying to work with the grain of what the state requires for the teacher. And so at Quorum Deo Academy in classical Christian schools across the country, there's there's more than a thousand. We would say that teaching is a gift that God gives, and it's something that humans could name, but ultimately we can't put in what God left out. And so when we interview teachers and we watch them do a mock lesson, has God given you the gift of teaching? We, and we don't, I don't think I'm like an elder of Quorum Deo Church or anything like that, but I'm just looking from a common sense yeah. of the Holy Spirit, like trying to see, is this person really, do the kids react to when they're teaching and explaining and doing activities? And then, yeah, like we want you to have degrees. We want you to have a master's. We want you to have years of experience in the classroom, some of that common sense stuff. But sometimes we look to the state to do certain things that we should be able to do ourselves. And so the training programs, many of the ways that teachers are trained, we fundamentally disagree with. And the books that they read, my master's in education. You kind of have to retrain them often if they've been teachers in other places. Yeah, my master's of education was from a, a secular place. And I, I've like going into class school, none of that was helpful. Yeah. <laughs> I got really good with like spreadsheets and projects, <laughs> but like I didn't actually, I was the dumbest person at Quorum Deo the first two years I worked there. Now I'm in like the middle of the pack because I didn't read all these great books. Yep. I mean, I, I've gone through an MDiv process, my doctor, but I'm like still catching up to the teachers that we have that and went some of the classical. parents yeah i mean it's yeah, it's wow. wild people who grew up in this soil of just reading great books and talking about them. you know what's uh i i tell the story sometimes um when i went home and told susan my wife i said okay i think we gotta look at quorum dale for uh for our kids and uh you asked me to come and uh talk about the uh, american revolution to a sixth grade class last year and and you said, "Hey, can oh, yeah. you come in and we explain? Did, were we in obedience to Romans thirteen? Were we in obedience? Founding? That's right. Yeah. So the founding. How did the founders honor God? You were supposed to be neutral. I don't know that you did a good job. Whoa! Of that. I didn't. You never told me that. When has Micah ever been neutral? I <laughs> Micah, you clearly didn't know him very well. Your My- podcast name is very neutral. <laughs> Okay, so no joke. I get in there. I'm like, all right, kids, uh, open up to Romans 13. We're gonna start there, and um, and and so I I start opening up to Romans 13, and and Dave's in the back, and he's like, excuse me, Mr. Beckwith. I'm like, yeah, uh, yes, Mr. Seibold, yep. And he's like, uh, we've already memorized Romans 13 this year, and I was like, oh, okay. So I close my Bible. I'm like, okay, so you guys already kind of know Romans 13. It sounds like, okay, great. So we start going through the, through the lesson. I start talking about what was going on in the founding and, and, uh, and, you know, basically when, when government steps out of line with God's authority, basically it's the hierarchy of authority, right? You obey God first and then government's supposed to align with, you know, with what God says. Parents are supposed to align with what God. Ultimately it goes back to, is this honoring God? And so, so that's where we were, we were going with that. So it probably, close to the end of the class, I say, I say, all right, kids. So basically what this comes down to is you got to have a really solid sense of discernment because you need to be able to discern, is this outside of God's, God's will? Is this outside of God's truth? First, you got to have the knowledge, but then you have to also be able to discern because sometimes it's a little nuanced. Sometimes there's some gray areas here, right? When do you actually say, no, but I'm going to, this is not in line with what God is telling me to do. And so I said, you have to have discernment. Now, as sixth graders, you may not know what discernment is, but how many of you guys have ever heard that word discernment? And then Dave's in the back. He's like, excuse me, Mr. Beckwith. Uh, uh, hold on one second. Uh, kids, what is discernment? And no joke, all of them in unison. <laughs> the ability to find and follow truth, goodness, and beauty in any situation. They quote that the very thing to me in unison. And I, I like instantly, I'm like, you guys are like way smarter than me. I don't even know why I'm here today. <laughs> It's you're like, like, you're like uh, 
Brody should probably come to Corbin. Well, I told Susan, I said, I, I think Brody should go there, but I don't think he's going to be smart enough to get in. <laughs> because we weren't very, you know, we're yeah. you know, the classic B students, athletes, you know, good looking and, uh, you know, all that. Just the, the, we had the charisma factor going for us. We didn't have the straight A's. And I was like, I think Brody's got the charisma. I think he's got that going. I don't know if he's going to be smart enough to get in there. But so that's, but. that's the myth. Like it's, <laughs> it's a been, total myth. It's been crazy. And, and my son's repeated a grade, but here's the thing. I call it the law of Mexican jumping beans. Have you guys ever seen those? So if those little jumping beans, yeah. you take them out of the jar, they'll bounce to like 20 feet in the air. Oh, wow. They'll bounce to whatever the height is that you set them in. But if they're in that little jar, they'll ping back and forth really quick and then kind of reduce to the height. And so the idea is kids will rise to the bar you set for them, mm -hmm. whether they are the sharpest tool in the shed or not. And mm. so we're so used to this no child left behind teach to the middle that when you, and another good example, like I don't think our school is the only cool thing happening in it's Indiana, not. Providence Cristo Ray school downtown. Same idea that if those kids went to a different school, they'd have a way different outcome, but here's what they get. They get a committed administrator. They have to wear uniforms and they're expected to work in order to graduate. It's an earn to learn school. And those kids excel academically. But here's the thing. Like if you give kids low expectations, I'm, I think the three of us could agree when I was a teenager, I would rise to the low bar you set for me. But if I knew you wanted more from me, I was going to give it. And so I think our, our students would run through the wall for their teachers because their teachers are expected to expect more of them. And yeah. so it's, it's like, it's not a question of what you're bringing to the table. It's a question of, are you willing to, as a family, see your kids struggle a little bit? Because if you let them if you let them experience pain, if you let them experience struggle, mm -hmm. struggle, they will grow. Yeah. yeah, that's good. I love it. I, 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 I'm so grateful the Lord has led our family to Coromdeo. And uh, Marcus, you're a big part of that. And uh, you're a connector. I love that. And Coromdeo, uh, uh, just as we wrap up here, because Dave, I know you got to go speak to the Who's Your Leadership series class right now. But um, what, what does Coromdeo mean? Coromdeo means before the face of God or in the presence of God. And the idea is that and our motto is Soli Deo Gloria, a little Latin for you, both those words. Yeah. And so the idea, uh, so to God alone be the glory. And the idea is whoever you're with, whatever you're doing, wherever you're at, you can do it for the glory of God. You don't have to be a cool pastor like Micah Beckwith to glorify <laughs> God. Although that would be great. Yeah, sure. You know, there's <laughs> any occupation. It, it's all about the, the awareness of his presence. You can be animated by the presence like being a stay-at-home mom. Yeah. I feel like mm -hmm. my, my wife is uh, gaining more, way more treasure in heaven than me sitting here at this podcast right now. <laughs> Whoa, it's man, a, come on. I mean, that's <laughs> but you could do anything for Fine, the glory of God. We won't have you back. <laughs> yeah, you could do anything for the glory of God. So that's, that's what Quorum did. I love is. it. I love it. Cool. So if people want to know more about Quorum uh, Deo, uh, where, where can they go to find out? Yeah, they could check out our website at Quorum Deo hyphen. There's a hyphen, Quorum Deo hyphen in.com. The hyphen is meant to crowd out the people who aren't willing to work. <laughs> <laughs> or or quorumdale.com was already taken yeah, so yeah whatever <laughs> whatever Michael. i love it so i got this little bracelet here contagious courageous quorumdale yep. so that's do you guys i think i got that from one yeah. of your events or something yes. so yeah well that's awesome guys well thanks for being on the podcast thanks and uh us. definitely check out quorumdale if you're uh struggling to kind of see how government schools are good for your family uh 
don't just accept it as the norm. You can, as a parent, you can uh, do a lot more for your kids. Um, and and I think that's, I think, I think we got to work to your point, Marcus, we got to work to reform public education because that is primarily where most of the kids are. So we can collectively do that, but don't sacrifice your children. It's I, I sometimes I, yeah. I, I use the analogy of it's the Titanic. Would you put your kids on the Titanic knowing what you know about what, what was going to happen to the Titanic right. and, and say, Hey kids, this is a sinking ship. It's going to go down, but, but maybe you could get to the, you could get to the the captain of the ship and and get him to steer steer away from the iceberg that it's going to hit. But I'm not going to be there with you. You're there on your own. But just make sure you know that this is not a good environment. You need to do what you need. And we would say no. Don't do that as a parent. Right. Now, if I as a parent wanted to get on the ship and say, okay, I know what's going to happen. I'm going to get in there and fight for this and reform this and get that captain to yep. alter course. That's different. So, but don't sacrifice your kids. Don't just send them off and be like, Oh, we need to expose them to darkness so that they know how to be the light. No, typically when that happens, the let's have the, ISIS train our best. <laughs> there we go. Right. Yep. So anyway, I love it. Keep being bold. I, I and I think that's another thing I appreciate about you, Dave, is that, uh, Quorum's very bold. You guys, your leadership does not back down from saying the truth and, there's a lot of people looking for that. So thanks, Micah. Yeah, keep Thank it up. You. Yeah, thanks, guys. Hey, this has been Jesus, Sex, and Politics. Thanks for listening. Uh, we'll catch you guys next time.